When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. It's time like this. Three past ten. Hello, everyone. Good morning to you. This is Monday's edition of the Sporting Goss. It is brisk outside, just 13.6 degrees, heading for a top of 19. Warming up Wednesday, 25 degrees. And there's a chill coming over Melbourne town, no doubt about that, with a lot playing out in regards to AFL finals, the Carlton Football Club, David Teague. Also over here in the West, what's going to happen with Adam Chera? All that to be played out and all that will be heard on this show. We're also going to chat with Brett Phillips after the great win last night, of course, or this morning of Ash Barty. She'll join us. Sue Gordon is stuck on the Sunshine Coast. She's uh, got some commentating duties she wasn't expecting to have, and that's not great when your team, the West Coast Fever, bow out of the Suncourt Super Netball season. But uh, Sue will be joining us about some changes afoot for the West Coast Fever. And Cam Shepard, fresh from uh, announcing that he's not going to be coaching Peel Thunder, the AFL Align Club to the Fremantle Dockers. He'll also join us as well after... Uh, 44 points down, I think, third quarter, and they got up to beat the West Coast Eagles waffle team on the weekend. But, of course, all of our attention at the moment is about where the AFL Grand Final will be played and what's the future of David Teague. This morning on Gillian Goss, we put it to Matthew Pavlich, who was part of the three-man review of the Carlton Football Club, and we asked him straight up, what was the future of David Teague? I don't know. I honestly don't know whether or not he'll be coaching next year or not. Um... But that's up to uh, the people in charge of the management and the board. Sam Edmund is the chief sports reporter of SEN and he is across all of this news and a whole lot more. He's been kind enough to give us his time on the Sporting Goss. Sammy, appreciate your time. Do you agree with Matthew Pavlich that he doesn't know whether David Teague is going to be coaching Carlton next year? Gossy, great to be with you. Thanks a lot for having me, first of all. You call 19 degrees brisk in your opener. I, I might um, I beg to differ on that. Nevertheless... <laughs> <laughs> Pretty cold at cold at the moment, Goss. You're absolutely right. Um, David Teague just standing over this trap door that could pop open at any moment. It's hard not to feel sorry for him. And regarding Matthew Pavlich, one of the three authors of the review that you were fortunate to have access to over there, very well handled by him because the review simply makes the recommendation and a series of recommendations it will be. And it's up to the Carlton Power Brokers who have been in receipt of this review now for some time, Goss, to make the decisions off the back of it. So if they've had it for some time and we've, the season is over and we knew the season was over long before yesterday, why are they still meeting and what has taken place over there today? That is a fascinating question to which I cannot provide a, a fascinating <laughs> answer. And nonetheless, I can tell you that the club cancelled an all-of-club meeting. It was due to take place this morning. Now, the players have been told, coaches, admin, staff, the whole bit that... Uh, that there was going to be an all-of-club meeting today. So straight away, you assume the feeling as well. Thankfully, now we're going to find out. After three months of waiting, we'll get some answers. But no, that meeting was cancelled, Goss. So 
Shortly after that, Luke says the new president released a statement, and um, we know that, as I say, Luke, CEO Kane Little and the board, they were given this football department review last week. Well, Luke says, uh, wrote a letter to members today which said in part that the club will take the necessary time required to absorb this review and any outcomes or decisions will be made on the time frame, time frame that is in the best interest of the club, not based on external expectations or pressure. So Luke says went on to say that David Teague and senior leaders at the club will be shown that review today and step through it all. But in terms of any answer, we still wait on um, on what actions the club will take out of this review. And it's been a fascinating process. I think if you look across town at Collywood and the way they handled it, Goss, it was swift, it was dignified, it, it treated a coach with the respect that he deserved, one that had been there for a long period of time, and no one had any inkling that, until that press conference was called that Nathan Buckley would be, um, would be leaving the football club and not coaching. So that's how it's been done swiftly across town. Safe to say uh, it's dragging on a bit uh, down at Royal Parade. Is there any conceivable possible chance that David Teague will keep his job? Well, there has to be a small chance, doesn't there? Because until he's told otherwise, then he absolutely is he's contracted for next year. But the wide-held belief, and has been for some time now, that um, the silence has been absolutely deafening. Now, he mm. has had no support from the footy club. I mean, why couldn't someone of influence there have come out and say, you know, back off, we acknowledge it's been a tough time, but he's still the coach. We're going to support him until the end of the season and then work through the review. We'd love the media to take a, a, a back seat for I'll give him some space. Don't have to commit to him, Goss, but just say, he's our coach currently. We acknowledge it's been tough. He's handling it very well. Just show some support. Now, of course, David Teague hasn't nailed it, and we can get into that in a moment, and, and a lot of this will get pointed out in the review, but the fact they haven't shown one iota of support from anyone of influence at that club, whether it be the outgoing president, the ingoing president, the CEO Kane Little, mm. is pretty damning, you'd have to say. When John Barker left mid-season, a very good football man, a football brain much loved in the football community, has been a caretaker coach in the past and done it admirably, probably doesn't tread on toes and doesn't... Uh, make it difficult for blokes to regain the reins of a football club. He sort of knows his place. When he left, what did they leave them with, with David Teague? Because if they wanted to replace David Teague, they could have done it long before now, but they had no plan B? Well, it was self-sabotage in my mind to get rid of Mm. John Barker mid-season when football departments are under enormous strain with his cuts to the soft cap. The club was on the road at the time. They were in and out of of quarantine hubs and the like. To to get rid of... um, as you say, a stable assistant, someone who was coached in his own right in a t- caretaker capacity, a senior assistant coach with great relations with, with the players. Now, to let him go, in fact, to have him go, just beggared belief. And I don't think we've ever got a proper answer on that. So whether that um, meant that they weren't going to depart with David Teague mid-season because there was a lack of a caretaker coach, I'm not sure, as an option. But for someone like John Barker, who told um, the coach David Teague, who told the football boss Brad Lloyd that, I will see out the year, but for a variety of reasons, family and such, I don't want to go on next year. He had their support, but then when it went up the chain a little bit further, Goss, the decision was made that, no, you actually won't see out the year, and mm-hmm. we'll, um, we'll announce a football department review in the media as well. So, oh boy, a whole heap of, um, a whole heap of issues there going back to John Barker leaving the club. What are the shortcomings of David Teague then? Well, I think it's fair to say that the relationship with the senior players, at least a large portion of them, has deteriorated enormously from when he took over as caretaker. And, and when he did that, he was the breath of fresh air, you know, mm. the carrying arm around the shoulder, 
for the playing group who were beaten down by Brendan Bolton's tough approach. It was almost a free hit, in a way, for David Teague. You know, he let the players play to their strengths. He was encouraging, caring, all of that in a caretaker role. But then once he got the job full-time and came back for pre-season of last year, his first in charge officially, I'm told a lot of that had changed. Rather than throw the arm around the leaders, he was, you know, more abrasive, more combative. You've got guys like Sam Doherty, two ACLs, testicular cancer. Paddy Cripps is having, you know, ultrasound-guided injections into his back a couple of hours before every game at the start of this season in the city before he's playing. And then in the press conferences, you're saying there's nothing wrong with him. I mean, that doesn't show the players that you're in the trenches with them, does it? I mean, can you imagine Alistair Clarkson in that situation? He would aggressively defend his players to the hill, on camera and off camera. That brings the change room together, doesn't it, Goss? So, Cripps mm. is your captain. He's loyal, committed. He's a great leader. He's playing with a crack in his back and not exactly having his coach in his corner in the press conferences. I mean, that was another free hit for David Teague, I felt, that, that he probably didn't get right. So, no, he hasn't been perfect, but, of course, he hasn't got the support either around him. It's just, um, I guess, it's got into a state now where this review is going to show his shortcomings, of course, and not just him. I think we expect there to be widespread change. No doubt. Uh, so, let's go... The future. So David Teague, we rule a line through David and we wish him well wherever he ends up in football and let's hope he continues to do the same because uh, many people believe he is a wonderful assistant coach and let's hope he's not lost to the game, whether he just needs a bit of time away. But Ross Lyon, um, he's very vocal in his uh, defence of his performance on, of course, Footy Classified last week. How did you see that performance? And uh, Ross is very bullish about uh, speaking up now and very much taking um, Liam Pickering on head-to-head. Yeah, he's almost speaking like he's got the job, hasn't he? To be honest, Ross Lyon. That's the way. Yeah, that's the way I look at it. So whether he knows something that we are yet to know remains to be seen. Although he has said he's a clear second choice, but there's so many whispers at the moment, Goss. And the latest one is that Alistair Clarkson, look, could well take the job. Let's just wait and see what happens here. But hasn't exactly warmed to it is the whisper that we're getting. So whether they're committed to Ross Lyon, whether it is that narrow, is everything we hear at Collingwood is it's a wide net's been cast there. Um, a number of assistants in the mix, Craig McRae shortening. That has been a, a uh, all-of-industry process to find their next coach. But by comparison, the Carlton coaching hunt is down to two men and started with two men and it's still two men. And if it isn't going to be Alistair Clarkson, then it's going to be Ross Lyon. So Ross is up there with the best game day coaches in the game, if not the best. You know, Very good, as we're hearing. You talk to any St Kilda player. Very good play- with players perhaps 1 through to 15. Manages the top end of town very well. He supports them, brings them along for the journey. Very smart politically. But the staff he doesn't rate, he doesn't treat well. And the bottom half of the list, he doesn't treat as well either. So he might have learned from all that as well in his time out of the game and his last couple of years at Fremantle. But that's certainly the scouting report at the moment, if you like. Mm, and he's got all the blokes in the media roles over there in Melbourne, mm. exactly where he wants them. He's, uh, he's universally loved by all the media boys over in mm. Melbourne. Mm. Mm. Good luck with that. Hey. Yeah, what's uh, your face? <laughs> uh, this is Travis Old on a grand final call. He had the press conference today. Uh, everyone was expecting some major announcement. Uh, let's hear 25 seconds of Travis Old basically say, well, there is no call yet on the AFL grand final. Have a listen. It's sort of five weeks away, the grand final, but if you think ahead of that to prepare ourselves for a prelim and then work backwards, we've got less time than it might feel like to make that decision. And so I'd like to think in the coming days we'll have a view on where the grand final will be played. In the meantime, you've seen with week one of the finals, we've fixtured those outside of Victoria. Um, it's highly likely we'll keep those teams on the road and fixture week two outside of Victoria. 
that gives us the optionality beyond beyond that, and then we'll see what happens in the you know as I say in the coming days. Travis Old from the AFL. Okay, well we think the grand finals here, don't we, in Western Australia, right from where I'm doing this show from, Optus Stadium. Mm, well, we do. That's what we've been conditioned to, to I guess, um, understand. So I think if there's one thing the AFL's learned, is that don't be in a rush to make a decision. Don't make a decision until you absolutely have to with, with the late curveballs that COVID can throw at you. So I think absolutely. He did go on to say that uh, the idea, unless anything changes, the buy will be between the prelim and the grand final. So that certainly points to a personality. Channel 7 are going to push for prime time on the East Coast as well. You just know that given um, the hit they've taken again this year. So whether it is a, a twilight kickoff there at um, in Perth and then prime time back on the East Coast makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? As it does for these Victorian clubs who are hitting the road this weekend, Geelong, Melbourne, Essendon and the Western Bulldogs, to remain on the road as well. It's just going to be safer to do that. Travis Holt said the decision was yet to be made on that, but as you heard, he said it was likely because... Travel from Tassie to WA, there's no hurdles there, and the same's about to become the case from South Australia to WA as well. So, for ease of, uh, of travel, transport, and logistics that come with these clubs and the protocols after it here too, it all points to um, staying on the road and then ending it um, with a Perth-based grand final, which I think would be magnificent. Guys. Yeah, 100%. SEN's Chief Sports Reporter, Sam Eben, online. Yes, Sam, five, uh, 10 past five is the likely bounce down. That seems to have been mm. the pitch for a WA Grand Final prime time, as you say, in the East Coast. And as we saw with the Dreamtime game and a whole lot of other, this stadium is just a different world at night time and there is no stadium like it probably in the world putting on a light show, a sound show and, and just a, a big night of entertainment. It's going to be absolutely massive here and regardless of the teams that make it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the big part of it is capacity because at the moment they're a long way ahead of the rest of the country. Now, the South Australian Premier Stephen Marshall, there seemed to still be a player, the Adelaide Oval in the grand final space. Well, at the moment they're at 15,000 with perhaps unlikely, he said, the Premier there in South Australia to increase it this weekend. And then even in Tasmania for the for the ease of use, you've got two finals down there. It's great. The teams can fly in the day before. They don't have to quarantine. But at the moment they're still at 10,000 capacity as well and it hasn't been as easy in Queensland as, as it was last year for obvious reasons so look all signs point to Perth it would be a magnificent spectacle twilight over there and um, as you said the crowds have absolutely turned out for it and um, they probably deserve it. Last one for you no word from Adam Chera at this stage we, we throw, threw it up to Pav this morning he was somewhat confident that you know all the pieces of the puzzle that he wants to stay but there is real pressure on him from his partner and to get back to Melbourne and the like. Um, mm. What's your vibe over there? And, you know, the, the, the talk is that if Ross Lyon is to get the gig, then that's not going to help Carlton's bid to, to get Adam Chera because there was no love lost between those two. Unfortunately, I've just made a statement with no answer, but that's okay. It was more of a statement than an answer. We appreciate Sam Edmund for joining us. His line has dropped out, but he is a very busy man. We appreciate him taking our call. If you've got an opinion on anything of the that's been discussed, a 10 past 5 AFL grand final here in the West, Adam Chera's future, and of course that of David Teague, whatever you like, always get in touch with 0487 736 736 or 13 12 55 to give us a call on the Sporting Goss. In a moment, we'll come back and we'll hear from Travis Old about the grand final location. We'll also hear from Matthew Pavlich, Ross Lyon, Liam Pickering, Adam Simpson, Justin Longwheel, Ash Barty and Usman Kawaja. Also, Cam Shepard from Peel Thunder. His coaching days are two games are over, uh, two games away from being over at Peel Thunder. But will he coach on?
Sue Gordian will join us also from the West Coast Fever after their disappointing exit from the Suncorp Super Netball Final Series. A break. We'll be back. We'll be talking all things AFL Grand Final. David Teague and Adam Chera next. It's 18 past 10. This is the Sporting Goss. 23 past 10. Thanks for your company. If Chera goes, and is there any truth around Ross, is there another club that could be in, ten, uh, in contention for Chera? be nice for him to stay, and is he worth a top 10 pick? I don't think he's worth a top 10 pick. Uh, he's a beautiful kick of the footy, but what I, I just I don't have him up with Sarong, and I don't have him with Brayshaw. I think he's a nice halfback, flanker, outside winger. He's not hard at it, and that's not being disrespectful. I just don't think he's that type of player. Um, I don't think he's what Carlton need. They've got enough of that going on. But anyway, it's all to be played out. But the jungle drums are certainly beating that he won't be at Fremantle next year. But the Ross line to Carlton certainly does throw a bit of a twist in the tail. Travis Old is in charge of fixturing and broadcasting. He addressed the media today. Everyone was expecting a big grand final announcement. We didn't get that. That's a watch this space. We should know maybe by tomorrow or Wednesday. But the assembled media had plenty of questions to ask of Travis Old and here's an assortment. We are in Victoria. It's one of sadness that Victoria won't be able to see any of this light. Look, cl- clearly the, the focus at the moment, I think, for everyone is sort of beyond football here in Victoria is to get through this current outbreak and return to a sense of normality, and as it is in, in New South Wales. For us, I think our responsibility, and we feel this sense of responsibility, is to keep the game going. Um, for the fans of those teams who can turn the tally on and watch their their teams compete, um, particularly for those in um, Sydney and, and Victoria, um, that, that's certainly our priority. When will uh, a grand final decision be made, Travis? Days, or is it going to drag out, do you think? Uh, look, I, I think if you... Um, it's sort of five weeks away, the grand final, but if you think ahead of that to prepare ourselves for a prelim and then work backwards, we've got less time than it might feel like to make that decision. And so I'd like to think in the coming days we'll have a view on where the grand final will be played. In the meantime, You've seen with week one of the finals, we've fixed those outside of Victoria. Um, it's highly likely we'll keep those teams on the road um, and fixture week two outside of Victoria. That gives us the optionality beyond beyond that. Um, and then we'll see what happens in the, you know, as I say, in the coming days. And just on that, if you count Melbourne out, are you, would you expect to be in a position where you can then name a venue to host the grand final? Yeah, look, I think it's, it's back to the point before that, um, it takes a lot of preparation. It's a big event. The Grand Final is a big event and, and it takes some significant preparation. Also, on top of that, you've got the various border restrictions and moving teams between states. You need a, a, a period of, of time to prepare for that. And so, both, firstly, the, the main decision that needs to be made is can we hold a Grand Final in Victoria at the MCG? If we can't, the next decision is uh, whereabouts. We've been in conversations with the, with the consent of the Victorian Government, particularly with the Western Australian Government and the South Australian Government. Both have put together very compelling pitches um, to host a grand final. Queensland were fantastic for us last year. They've told us they're there if, if, if we need them and their support will remain. Um, so we're, we're in a really good position. We just we just need a decision in the next few days. So Travis, 25 is the, is the date in the fixture for the grand final. Did you lock that date in or is it possible as some conversations were last week that it could be the week earlier, September 18th? Yeah, Damo, I think our, our, um, our view is that um, you need to set a date for the grand final. And then a lot of things get built around that date, whether it be from a football point of view or from an entertainment perspective or ticket sales in a whole range of things. And so we've set that date at 25th September. We uh, cancelled the pre-final buy and we think now, if you look in, in um, 
uh, reflection, it's probably the right decision to make given how quickly things are moving. And so to get this week's finals away um, will be nice, um, nice start to the, to, to the finals. We've got that week up our sleeve. Um, if nothing else uh, changes, and things will change, they've changed to the last 18 months, then you have that week off between the prelim and the, and the grand final. Uh, is that set in stone then? That would, that's when you'd have the bye week? Well, it depends on what happens between now and then. I mean, no, nothing in this world is set, set in stone and um, certainly proven that to be the case over the last 18 months. And so that flexibility for us is really important. And, you know, between now and grand final, I'm sure there'll be more twists and turns. And so I can't really answer that question in terms of any guarantees. Travis, when you're um, potentially just looking forward and later this week, Will a, a, a venue on the grand final be made alongside the same time as you say it won't be in Melbourne or will it might be potentially, look, it's not going to be in Melbourne but we'll hold off a venue choice later in the week? Um, I, I think that it's a hard question to answer. It depends on when we get a decision on whether it'll be at the MCG because we are in conversations with, as I say, WA and SA governments about hosting potential grand finals there. Um, uh, we're continuing those conversations. We want to have a firm contingency plan in place. Um, and so therefore, you know, therefore if uh, we get an answer in the next couple of days, maybe we're not in a position to lock away the, the, the grand final location for a day or so after that. I'm not really sure. Um, it will depend on the timing. And what about Port Adelaide potentially, you know, um, having a home grand final? Does that come into the, the decision about where the grand final will be? No, I mean, you know, we see each year, could have happened last year in, in Queensland with the Brisbane Lions, um, and so I think that the, the priority is firstly to work out whether we can have a grand final of the MCG, second where we can have it from there, and it'll play out as it plays out. Right now, Port Adelaide can host a preliminary final, as can Brisbane Lions, um, and unfortunately some of the Melbourne teams can't, and that's just how we're sitting as it is today. Whether that changes, we'll see. At this point, um, it sounds repetitive, but at this point we do need to lock in whether we've got a grand final here at the MCG, and if that's that's the case, fantastic. We'll put all our effort into that. If it's elsewhere, then those sort of questions are going to come up, and that's why we need to know the answer to that pretty soon. Has this year been harder than last year? Yeah, it's certainly no easier. Um, I, I feel like, um, for a number of reasons, I think the Delta strain is more difficult to deal with, and understandably governments are shutting down a lot quicker. Um, um, I think there's a level of fatigue in the community generally that makes it more difficult. Um, um, it's a second year for fans in a lot of states haven't been able to attend games and so um, we're incredibly fortunate as a code that the support of our, our people, whether it be from players right through to fans and members, has been unwavering. Um, but there's no doubt um, it, it's tough for everyone at the moment. Why, why the buy last year and no buy this year? I mean, I know profiles why you're retained last year not this year. Is there a sort of a general reason why? Yeah, I think one of the differences to, to the question that was just asked, one of the differences is um, we had pretty much everyone in the one spot yeah. last year and so we had a bit more certainty. So we, we had an October grand final. As we stand today, we knew where the grand final was going to be played and so we had a better run in of where, where we were at and we weren't asking teams to go from one state to another and in this environment that's where risk is presented and so um, I feel if, if probably an extension of my answer to the previous question is I think in some ways last year was a bit easier because we knew some time out and we had most teams in one in one place. And just on Perth, I mean there's a lot of chatter in the lead up about their hardline stance and their border um, you know, situation. I mean, is their position, does that make things harder and then preclude them from hosting potentially a grand final? I mean, have, have they been trouble to deal with? We, we've had, a, um, uh, particularly this year, a really good operating model in place with the WA government, uh, dealing directly with the West Australian Police in that teams have been able to travel to WA, um, quarantine 
for seven days um, to make sure that we, we prioritise health, but in that time train and then play on the seventh day and then either return or continue to quarantine. That's been a really effective model for us. I think that stands us in good stead going into the, into the grand final to the point of a buy between a prelim and a, and a grand final. That may become helpful when you're looking at quarantine requirements if, if that's where you ended up. Right, last one to stay on in Tassie. Um, does that, uh, after this weekend, does that mean that we might have uh, a finals game in Tassie in week two? Yeah, potentially. Um, we've got to stay open-minded to what our options are. And it largely depends on, uh, clearly, the results from this weekend. Because you may end up with a final, another final in SA or, or Queensland, or you might end up with prelims in those in those states. And so um, we, we right now just need options. And Tasmania is a, is a great option for us. Good work by you, April Austin, and you too, Alex Riddell. 14.7 degrees. Feels like about five. It is freezing outside. Even I've got a jumper on, and I'm inside. How does that work? Uh, Dave says, Foo Fighters. Now, that's an intro song. Dave, you need to let it go. You need to let it go, Dave. Happy birthday to your young fella as well. And, uh, yep, Roy is an avid listener of our show. Great show this morning, Goss. Thank you very much, Roy. Um... Could you let Gilly know he needs to lift his performance? Yeah, I'll let him know that too. Told you guys that Ellie <laughs> will bounce back after 31. And as a responsible punter, Oscar Allen, first goal has happened five times this year. He went off injured, Oscar Allen. He didn't have, ever since he signed that contract, he just didn't have that back end of the, the year that he was looking forward to. But once he's up and around and, and fit and strong, he will be uh, back in and he'll be a key component for that team going forward. Still to come, Cam Shepard leaving the Peel Thunder Football Club after a couple of games, and Sue Gordian will join us as well. The West Coast Fever bowing out on the weekend. So just repeating the news, there is no news in regards to the AFL Grand Final. A decision will be made in a couple of days, but can expect it to be here in Perth, 10 past five, game time. The late show at the stadium. And no word on David Teague, a all-points bulletin club meeting was cancelled. David Teague, um, Jeff Walsh was part of the review, um, and a couple of board members as well as the president and the CEO, Kane Little, are all meeting as we speak to discuss the review going forward. So they've got a bit to digest. Well, as we know, our man Adam Gilchrist, who has now sworn himself to secrecy, uh, will not, not secrecy, just uh, won't comment, uh, any more on the Justin Langer situation. But there seems to have been a lot of support for JL, as much as there's been a lot of those who have been queuing up to take shots at him. Usman Kawaj is an interesting one. You would have seen, of course, uh, that documentary about the Australian cricket team, and there was a bit of a clash with uh, Justin Langer or a supposed clash between Usman Khawaja and Justin Langer. It looked, looked to be quite heated. Well, Usman Khawaja has taken to his own YouTube channel to discuss his relationship with Justin Langer, discuss what he thinks of Justin Langer and discuss this current situation with the senior playing group and the players available. It makes for good listening. Here is Usman Khawaja on his own YouTube channel from about 24 hours ago talking about Australian cricket coach Justin Langer. All right, guys. So everyone's been talking about one thing at the moment in Australian cricket, and that is Justin Langer. 
So let's do this. Now let's start between the relationship with me and Justin Langer. I get asked this question all the time. People seen the Amazon test series. Uzi's out of the team because of Justin Langer. Let me stop it right there. My relationship with Justin Langer is really good. To be honest, I still talk to him, still text him here and there till this day. And that's because we have a lot of respect for each other. Now people think I got dropped because I spoke up to him, stood up to him and all these other things. It's actually quite the opposite. I feel like I actually became closer with him and he actually gained my respect and I gained his respect because we had some really honest and open conversations together. So let's just stop it right there. Look, I got dropped for the ashes. There was two people who dropped me, Trevor Hines and Justin Langer. So it wasn't just JL. And look, between us two, I don't think I should have been dropped. But hey, cricket's a funny game. And unfortunately, selection's a part of the game. Uh, do I believe I should have been there the last couple of years? Was I in the best top six batsman the last couple of years? In my heart, yes, I do believe that. But I don't select the teams. So for me, it's water off a duck's back. I've been through the ups and downs. I've been dropped. I haven't been dropped. So it doesn't bother me anymore. That's why I can be open and honest and say, look, yes, I do believe I should be there, but I'm not. And that's cricket. Now let's talk about JL and himself as a person. Look, he is a very passionate person. He's a very passionate guy, loves Australian cricket, wants the best for everyone, wants to only succeed. He's driven by winning. He's driven by winning the right way. And all the things he brought into the Australian team after Sam Papergate were focused on those things. Now, one thing that keeps coming up with him is his emotions. Yes, the man wears his heart on his sleeve. He can be very emotional. It's probably his one downside. Probably his greatest weakness is his emotions because he rides a high and he rides a low. But that's only because he's passionate. Unfortunately, that's probably one thing that's letting him down the most. But it comes from a very good place. And he knows it. He knows he needs to improve. He's said in the media, I've chatted to him. He's trying to improve on that. If I'm being honest, international cricket is a tough place. So not having your emotions tested from time to time, I mean, that's just going to happen. That's just what it is all about. I think the more important and disappointing thing is that the players haven't stood up and chatted to JL about this a long time ago. Things are still coming out in the... Now, I know how these things happen. Players don't talk to someone. They discuss it between themselves. Either someone's going out to the media and telling them exactly their point of view and what's going on, or they're telling their managers and the manager's telling the media. That's how it gets out. That's how any of these things get out. That's how gossip always starts. So there is a leak somewhere, but there's no point trying to figure out who or when or what because this has been going on in cricket since I've been playing and long, long before then. So there's no point worrying about that. The issue is that there is something going on in the Australian team with the players and Justin Langer. And unfortunately, he was in a pretty bad Bangladesh and West Indian tour, which I think also wasn't entirely his fault since majority of the team wasn't even there. I think it's pretty harsh to judge him on the last two series. And how do you think JL feels? He probably feels like the guys in the team probably stabbing him in the back. And that's what it looks like. So that's why it's so disappointing. It's actually a really bad look. This is something that the group needs to sort out ASAP. What's my verdict? Look, at the end of the day, there is something there. Um, and I mentioned it before. A lot of these things stem from, from JL wearing his emotions on his sleeve and things going up and down and him following that ride. I think that puts the players off a little bit. That's where a lot of these chats and talks and everything that's going on are stem from. And Justin knows that. I'm sure he's going to do his best to be more approachable to sort this issue out. There's no player that is perfect and there's no coach that is perfect. So I have no doubt that he's going to go back and try to work on these things. What I think should happen with Justin Langer, to be honest, the T20 World Cup is right around the corner. He deserves the opportunity to coach Australia in the T20 World Cup. He deserves the opportunity to coach Australia in the Ashes. And in the, after all that, if things are still not going away, the team's not gelling, 
rolling, all the players are back and things aren't happening and something is still up and going wrong, that is when you look at things and think, okay, maybe do we need to change something? Just like you would with a player, give him as many opportunities as you can, which always doesn't happen. But your best players are your best players. Your best coach is your best coach. He was the best coach three years ago. Things don't really change too much now. He needs to have more opportunity. If things are still not going right, then you may decide to try to do something different. Let's put it in perspective here. It's not always 100% the coach's fault. The guys aren't performing. The players have to take onus too at some stage. The guys have to perform better. And at the end of the day, it's not just one person. So I think there needs to be some sort of perspective put around this too. I'm sure there is, but let's see what happens moving on. Talking WAFL football with the coach of Peel Thunder, Cam Shepard, after their storming victory over the West Coast Eagles on the weekend at David Gray's Arena. Shep, you looked out of it. That was a huge ticker performance. Yeah, it was, Gus. We, um, you, you did right. We were looking pretty um, sad at half time. And uh, look, we changed a couple of things strategically. Y- young Williams and Ainsworth really had hold of us in the first half. And we put a young player who's been a backman, Sandy Brock, onto Bailey Williams, and he quelled his, his effect. And, and our captain, Ben Hancock, went to Ainsworth, who's it had 27 possessions in the first half and he had four in the second. And then the rest of the crew went to work. So that's one of those feel-good stories, being 44 points down and then coming back and winning by two. So, no, we're really, really proud of the young group. Interesting. A good read, too, about Reese Conker and your association with him on the weekend and the news that you know he wasn't offered a contract and you've had your announcement that you weren't going to be with the club next year going forward and yet sort of... Uh, linked hands and uh, arms and texts on the Friday night and had a good discussion about it. Uh, and uh, albeit he was up against it with an injury, he showed some ticker as well and must have given you great heart. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, those sort of things sometimes don't need to get out. But, um, you know, he and I uh, did share those those thoughts and, uh, you know, credit to him when he did hurt himself early in the in the game that he, he kept bashing through and because uh, wanted to be... Wanted to be uh, remembered in the right way so at Peel so look I uh, I understand what you're saying and yes no it was a uh, it was something that, that was quite special at the end of the game the decision not to coach on was it yours theirs bit of both what was the story a bit of all three Goss there was mine there was Fremantle's and and then there was Peel's and having been there for nine years uh, it's a bit of a distance from where I live to to Mandra uh, and you do that three or four times a week for nine years, look, and then there's the, the thought of having a, a different voice might be uh, attractive to others. So I really enjoy coaching, as you know. Mm. Um, but uh, at the same time, for me, and also for for Peel and and Fremantle, that I think it, the, the time was right, and uh, and you know we'll remember some great times. Well, a couple of flags doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, I can't. I can't imagine, and I'll be honest with you. I just, I've always looked at the the model, the Fremantle Peel model, um, and having, and I talk about the Ross Lyon era more than the Justin Longmuir era. That that whole Ross Lyon, and I and I don't want to speak be disrespectful, but that shadow that I feel like Ross Lyon would always cast over people around him or working underneath him, was it difficult? I think managing two masters is always difficult, mm. no matter whom the masters are, because both of them really have wants that 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 are real and and 
and uh, you know you have to manage those clearly from a if you're managing it with with, with the Fremantle aspect any coach any senior coach wants their players to be playing in particular positions for particular reasons and and probably they do like you to be successful but it's more important to develop whereas the local feeder club Peel wants success and they at that stage been really devoid in fact they'd been the laughing stock of the competition so you know that we were able to marry those together it's probably probably um and and, and achieve because you only have to look at what Fremantle have achieved with in our premiership years we had young Luke Ryan, Sean Darcy, Brennan Cox, Tabsy amongst others who was just starting to build what they what they are now and they're they're really um that's important for Fremantle and obviously important for Peel. So yeah, it's a difficult, Gossie. It's a different difficult uh, management, which has consistent and weekly challenges. Mm, I can't, I can't imagine, but I can imagine. <laughs> uh, look, you've got two games to go, um, and you've got Perth this week, and then you've got Subiaco to finish it out. Um, both at other ends of the spectrum in regards to where Perth's at with uh, their decimated list and Subiaco gearing up for a, a premiership tilt again. What do you? What's the mm. plan with your player availability with the Frio players coming back? You're obviously going to have some stocks. Yeah, we don't know that yet. We're, it's Monday morning and we're, we're still waiting to hear from Fremantle as to how they're handling that situation. Obviously, they're at the back end of a long season and and there's player uh, contracts and availability going through. So we'll find out um, probably by today or tomorrow exactly whom we will have for the next two weeks. I don't think it'll be the, uh, a, a huge number. I think it might be we played with four on the weekend. I think it might only be six or eight that we play with, um, which will give great opportunity not only for those guys but for the Peel guys who have put their hand up throughout the year. So, look... I wouldn't expect us to be flush with Fremantle players. I'd expect there to be a, uh, a good sprinkling and then uh, we'll attack both games with, uh, with a want to finish the season well. Probably can't say too much right now, but do you want to keep coaching in the, in the waffle? Yeah, look, I think uh, what I'd like to do is just sit back at the end of the year and then uh, just assess what opportunities there are in football in general. I really enjoy the game. I'd love to continue to be giving to it. So it's just a matter of, um, you know, where... Where we're um, where we're placed and what what our options are available, but uh, certainly I reckon I've, I'm coaching as well. well. Hopefully, you know the weekend showed that. Ho- ho- coaching as well now as I ever have. Yeah, well that's good good to hear. Even though the the finals aren't on the agenda, but uh, still getting plenty out of it. Appreciate your time, mate. All the very best against uh, Perth, and and uh, not so much good luck the following week against Subiaco. But go well, and um, <laughs> and we'll be in touch. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Thanks, Josh. He's a good man, Cam Shepard. He's the coach of the Peel Thunder Football Club for a couple more games. He joins us on the Sporting Goss. 3 to 11 after 11 o'clock. We have plenty to follow up with. We've got Sue Gordian talking all things West Coast fever. We'll hear more from Matthew Pavlich, Ross Lyon, Liam Pickering, Justin Longmuir, Adam Simpson, Ash Barty, and your calls, 13, 12, 55. And phones have not stopped. We... How come you weren't in at 11 at 10 o'clock? Sammy Edmund had to yeah, good come point. in. Yeah, well, clearly he didn't want to stay around. No. <laughs> he hung up. All right, I've had enough of this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See you it's, later. it's three minutes to um, 11. Mm. Um, Chris Clafunas is here, the uh, producer to the stars. Um, what do you got for me? Uh, I did like Sammy Edmund, actually, just on that, to, uh, coming on, talking about how the Carlton board haven't 
you know, really supported him. And David Teague's obviously been uh, quite open about that as well. Sure. It's very surprising, especially because they didn't give him the full support of the board. That's the main thing I think has been shocking to everyone. Not even that comment. Well, you can't win with full support of the board and when the board doesn't give you any support. Zero support. What are you? (laughs) He's he's a dead man walking. Yeah, he looks pretty grim, doesn't he? Really? Now, um, uh, Portsmouth, how'd they go? (laughs) Very, very good question. Third time I've asked you today. Yeah. If it was Gilly, you'd go, oh, I'll find out for you, Mr. Gilchrist. I'll get to it, Mr. Gilchrist. Very good point, I would. <laughs> oh, that's a disgrace. I wonder what he's doing now. Uh, anyway, uh, yes, so uh, have you got some EPL scores for us? I've got a few, yeah, if you want if you want some quick ones. Well, I, I, I don't give a rat's toss bag about them, but a lot of people do uh, have contacted us and said they do. I watched the first half of the Man City-Norwich game on Saturday night. It was absolute demolition. It was ugly. It was only 2-0 at halftime. Jack Grealish play? Jack Grealish. Did play, scored his first goal for City. Not one to remember. He's got a top knot or a high knot. He's got uh, the headband, I guess. He's got the Kira Knightley and uh, Bend It Like Beckham look going on. <laughs> oh, yeah, great. That's Jack Grealish. Uh, Jack Grealish, you've got the Kira Knightley look. <laughs> 5 0 in the end to Manchester mm-hmm. City. Uh, Liverpool started off the weekend nicely, a 2 0 win over Burnley. Mm-hmm. Aston Villa beat Newcastle 2 0. Yeah, they're going to be all right, Villa. Yeah, they're uh, be they, all right. they are. They've made some really strong signings over the offseason. Mm-hmm. Palace and Brentford, a nil all draw. Oh, wow. So Brentford kept a clean sheet in both their opening games. Yeah, good on Looking you. okay. Good on you, Brentford. Leeds and Everton, a 2 all draw there. That's bad for Everton. Yeah, it's not great. Brighton and David Watford 2 0. Southampton and Manchester United, a 1 0 draw. Stinking away kit for Manchester mm. United. Mm. Tottenham, speaking of stinking away kits, 1 0 over Wolves. Yep. Chelsea beat Arsenal, we know that. West Ham and Leicester play tonight. And Portsmouth, how'd they go? Yeah, they um, Mate, they definitely played. By the end of the they news. definitely played. By the end of the news, I need their I'll result find out and for where you. they are on the ladder. Okay. Sporting Goss. Yeah, I'm back. That's right. Three past 11. Well done, team. Good stuff. Chris Clafunas sent a man on a – no, sent a boy on a man's job. And uh, <laughs> for the fourth time I've asked about Portsmouth, I could have easily gone on to the Google. Easily. Or gone on to the website. Are we here? Four and a half hours after you first asked me. And how did I go? Uh, nil or draw oh, <laughs> against Doncaster <laughs> on the weekend. What? Nil or draw So where Portsmouth. am I in the ladder? That's another great question. Well, that was well, I looked, part well, of I was, was looking at their last results. No, no, we're definitely um, They've been on a pretty good run. No, we're definitely actually. top two, I think, but that might have. They've got Wigan next. Ah, oh, well, that's okay. Wigan are no good, man. Um, okay. Um, well, <laughs> I thought Wigan were a pretty good side. And we're in the Premier overall. League. Well, they made the FA Cup, didn't they? Wigan, a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good side. Good historic club. Portsmouth are third. Sheffield Wednesday at the top of Wednesday. the table. Yeah. Wickham. Who? Wickham. Are we playing Wickham? I thought you said we were playing Wigham. Well, no, no. Wickham or Wycombe. Wycombe. No, why, what, yeah, what, Wickham Wanderers, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Hi, Wickham. Ah, Wickham Wanderers. So Portsmouth third. They're all on 10 points. It's just the so uh, is, goal difference. where's Wigan? Wigan is ninth. Ooh. Close on seven points. So oh, they're only. Right. Wow, season defining. Only a game off. Well, yeah, exactly. Four <laughs> matches in. This could make or break <laughs> their season. Okay. Well, Portsmouth. Come on, Pompey. Yeah. Get up there. Uh, thank you very much for That's not that. a good draw against Doncaster. They're, uh, they've only got one point. That was their first point for the season. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Where was the game played? At uh, Doncaster. Oh, I see that. We don't travel to Doncaster. Okay, yeah. Can you keep? Can you play? Say Doncaster, not Doncaster. Doncaster. No, it's Doncaster is a suburb of Melbourne, 
It's the Doncaster Handicap, which is a horse race. Okay. But I think you might be right. I think it's Doncaster. Oh, yeah. Say I, think, I think it might be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Look out for Plymouth Argyle. Yeah, I don't mind Plymouth Argyle. Sunderland as well. Oh, well Football they, League mate, One. So they should be. Sunderland is a them. huge what London. A club. They're a London club, aren't they? Yeah. Massive. They're near, across the road from Liverpool, aren't they? Think so? Aren't they? Aren't they in the thick of it? Aren't they like? I don't know if it's Liverpool with the right. You, you look up where where north are they? Okay, thank you. All right, mate. Don't you? <laughs> <laughs> he's Screaming down. He's in a bad mood. Every time Geelong loses, he's in a bad mood. He's in a stinker today. Yeah. Well, you know, today we in Gillian Goss, Alex, our, our button pusher, we left a couple of huge gaps in the show for him to hit buttons. Nothing. No. He just was disinterested. Just sulking. He, he just had the... Sulking. Yeah. He had the... What's the guy's name? Joel Selwood's about him. Yeah, the Joel Selwood's had the shoulders drooped slumped. off. Not happy. Yeah. How did Reece Stanley go trying to spoil Max Gordon? <laughs> oh, no. You can't do that. What about that? And no. he turned around... Reese Stanley turned around to the blokes behind him and go, why didn't you spoil him? Because <laughs> you're meant to be playing <laughs> on him, mate. three metres tall. Yeah, that's <laughs> you should be the job, one to do mate. it. 16.1 degrees. It's six past 11. I love good chats. I love chats. You know what? Mm-hmm. Gilly and I, we, we, would, we would, you know, yeah, we normally have that 45-minute debrief after the show. Yeah. We should include you in it. Anyway. <laughs> it would be nice once. <laughs> we were chatting today and we said, you know what? The best part of that show was just, oh, I think it was about a 10-minute window. Where we spoke about nothing. Yeah. It was really good radio. The Seinfeld section of the show. (laughs) That's a show about nothing. That's, you know what? Mm -hmm. Make yourself useful. I'll I'll take care of Sue Gordian, right? You make yourself useful. Go and get a little sting for Friday's show where we do have. It's a show about nothing. Show about nothing. George and Jerry. Correct. Yeah. Okay, on it. Let's do that. Very good. Friday's Gillian Goss. This is why you should include me in those chats. Look at what just happened. It's an elite. A nice production meeting on air. Western suburbs elitist thing that we've got (laughs) going on. (laughs) Fair enough. Seven past 11. Let's talk netball. Sporting Goss and disappointment for the West Coast Fever. They didn't get through to the grand final, beaten in the prelim against the Giants, 64-61 on the Sunshine Coast. Sue Gordian from the Fever and, of course, uh, Super Suncorp, Super Netball commentator joins us now. That was, uh, well, that's a disappointing way to exit. Yeah, gee. Um, still processing Goss, to be honest. It's been a... a Oh, I don't know, a very emotional 24 hours. Um, yeah, look, not, like, disappointed. There's no better way to put it. Very disappointed. The playing group was disappointed. Um, you know, certainly we were here to, to do a job, and that was to give ourselves an opportunity to go one better than last year. Uh, but we fell short, and whilst we're exceptionally proud of the way we've handled ourselves this season, it's still hard not to... Um, you know, not to be disappointed. I guess even in the way that we we played on the weekend, it just wasn't us. So yeah, it's a hard one to process. Where did it go wrong? Because it was a nervous performance, wasn't it? it I mean, to only go down by three mm. goals, and you know, you'd only needed maybe a five percent uh, increase in clean ball use, and and the way that the the game was played, and it could have been a whole different result. I know it would have, could have, should have, but. Uh, so close, but it just really wasn't the same fever team. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and I think that's, I've always said, you know, there's nothing wrong with losing a game of netball or sport, irrespective of finals. 
providing you put your, your best performance out on the court. You know, you want to go out and make sure you deliver the best and then if you get beaten, you challenge yourself as a team and as a coach and as a group to be better based on that. But when you don't put your best performance out, it's a, it's a really tough one. And to go back and go, where did it go wrong? We had an extraordinary training week leading in. We ticked every box possible. So we were well and truly prefer- prepared. We knew our opposition back to front. They delivered an extraordinary game, the Giants, on the weekend. I think you were looking at two teams that played contrastly different styles. We're a very fast, direct um, sort of side. The Giants just play that really body up, uh, possession, no real directness to the post. It's slow. It's you know the ball's thrown off the second second. It just delays everything, and it just got the better of us. I, I hate to say it, Goss, but I, I think I will. I just think that we we were challenged and we showed the first crack in the armor all season after, and and I just think that crack. Everything came tumbling in. Um, you know, it's been a tough year coming from the twelve points down. Uh, we've been scrutinised from pillar to post and the players looked flat and there was no reason why they should have been and it was really hard and we've looked back and we've looked at the training like there's nothing that says we did anything wrong leading up to this game except A, our opposition played an extraordinary game and B, we just didn't look like we had the tank to respond and that's the tough part to chew. We're speaking with Sue Gordian from the West Coast Fever, and Sue uh, is staying over for the grand final. That's good news for you, Sue. New South Wales <laughs> versus the Giants. Just, uh, just take that sandwich there and uh, put some bread around it and, uh, and and eat it and enjoy it. Yes, well, yes, I am. I don't know if I want to use the word stuck, but I am stuck here for another week. Look, I love my commentary job, and, and I'll be thrilled to be calling a grand final, irrespective of Fever and and. And I will be honest, Goss, I'm actually thrilled for both of these two sides. I think it's really exciting that we're going to see two New South sides go mm. head-to-head. They've never done that before in a grand final. And they are the two teams that have suffered the most in terms of time away and circumstances throughout this entire season. And lo and behold, they both find themselves mm. at the pointy end of the season. So uh, my hat goes off to both of them. And, and I genuinely think this will be an extraordinary grand final. And interesting enough that uh, they play in the grand final of the Suncourt Super Netball and the AFL teams, the Sydney Swans and the Giants, do battle in an elimination final in Tassie. So, and, the, and, those, and those two teams have also had the bigger commitment. We spoke to Sam Taylor this morning on Gillian Goss, the young GWS Giants boy from WA, and he said, we've been away from home for three months. Yeah. It, it, it's, do you know what? It's a, it's a bizarre old thing. And if I weigh up, say, the circumstances of last year for most clubs where we knew, and, and a lot of footy teams you knew, that you were going on the road last year and you were into hub. And when you, we started the season and we were going to pretty much finish the season here and we were away for three months, actually managing and handling that was better. This year's been so tumultuous for everyone. You're on a plane, you're off a plane, pack your bags, go. No, you're not going there, turn around, go here. It's that that has been so debilitating for individuals, for groups, for, for the whole the whole league. And so I, I, my heart goes out to the footy, to the netball. Um, but to get to the pointy end and play finals in the first instance, I just think is a massive tick. But for the Swiss and the Giants, who will play in a grand final this weekend, uh, this will be a season, irrespective of a result, that both sides will never, ever forget. It, it has been testing beyond belief. Stacey Marinkovic is no longer the coach of the West Coast Fever. She now takes the Diamonds gig full-time, and it's her focus right here, right now. 
she's normally one to play her cards fairly close to her chest, albeit she's passionate and she obviously got the coaching record, didn't quite get the job done at the Fever. What's her emotion after the game? Did she shed a tear? Would you, can you share that uh, news to us? Yeah. Uh, look, mate, I probably one of the toughest moments I've ever seen in sport under my realm as well. You know, it was, um, so it's, it's hard to explain what Stacey Marinkovic has done for the West Coast Fever. Uh, she's been there since being a player mm. when it was formerly the Perth Orioles. You know, that whole transition into the West Coast Fever Stepping in as assistant coach behind Norma Plummer and then taking the reins some seven years ago. We've been in a couple of grand finals. The club had never played finals. She took the club to the first finals. And you're right, disappointing devastation on everyone's behalf that we actually couldn't get across the line for her and deliver her what we all believe she felt she deserved. No, it deserves it, but earned and worked hard for. Um, but, yeah, some, some real emotion coming from Stace yesterday. To be honest with you, in every conversation that her and I have had, that both our eyes well with tears because it's it's the end of an era and you know it'll be it's exciting for the club that we move on to something different but at the moment it is all about Stace and it's it's you know trying to make sure that we send her off now in the most uh, brilliant fashion that we can but at the moment we don't know what that looks like she's got a diamonds program that she'll step into and that still is up in the air as to who they're playing and when they're playing what so yeah COVID continues to sort of you know I guess keep us guessing um but, yeah, pretty emotional, Stacey Marinkovic. We don't often see it, um, but good on her. You know, sometimes the emotion needs to come out. 100% it does. Now, with the, the way that the Super uh, Netball Collective Player Agreement is set, no one has signed, which means no one has got players. If you were to think to yourself without giving anything away, how many of the mm. group that you've got right now will return next year and what changes do you believe, maybe from a media critic point of view, need to be made to make this team a better team and to go a couple of steps further? Yeah, really good question, Goss. So first and foremost, you might know CPA signed off yet and it is making the entire league exceptionally nervous. Um, and, and and also those of us that have the job of, of recruiting and contracting, really nervous. Um, look, you know, Fever don't need to make a lot of changes. I think we've got a list that's still capable of delivering. We probably need to have a re-look at... Um, I guess, just how we deliver on court from a game plan perspective. Maybe our game plan has hit its peak and and under a new coach, we will look to tinker with that. But in an ideal world, we would be hoping to retain a high percentage of our list, absolutely. Um, And we'll challenge ourselves in each area of the court. I think every club has to do that. And it's certainly been right from the get-go, the list management strategy of West Coast Fever is to always look at the base and core and foundation of our group but then to look at each area of the court and say, do we need something different in each area? And that's been the ongoing conversation, but it doesn't mean that we will fill something new in each area of that court. Uh, we will. We are a club that is about retainment. We like to build. Um, we're back in our playing group, and that will be absolutely uh, the intent of our club going forward in this recruitment period. You may not be able to answer this. I'm going to ask it anyway. Will Janelle Fowler be in green next year? Look, I'm reasonably confident she will be. And who wins the grand final? No, that's a perfect answer. Short and sharp. I like the way you roll. And who wins the grand final? Who wins the grand final? Swifts or Giants? Okay. You know what? This has been ticking in my head over the last sort of 12 hours as I've been starting to cast forward. I would love to see the Giants win um, for for the very reason that they haven't won an SSN premiership. I'd love to see that. I'm nervous that they played their grand final against us there. Their game was exceptional. 
it is very difficult to repeat that kind of standard, I think, in finals. Um, if they do, they win. But I've got a feeling it might be the Swifts. Who's the English girl who's in the Swifts, the GA? The, the GA for the Swifts? Uh, Helen Housby. Oh. Helen Housby. Helen I don't... I don't condone mixed martial arts, but I'd like Joe Harton and Helen Housby to go <laughs> to go into battle together because they are hardcore. Both of them are hardcore. And tell you what, netball in England is in good hands with those two. They are fierce competitors, and that's going to be on, even though they're at other ends of the court. Yeah, you're right. And you know what? It's really interesting that come the pointy end of the season, it's intriguing how it's been the English internationals that have drawn the spotlight you know they've been the ones I mean I can remember my call on the weekend I couldn't stop talking about Joe Hart and the captain mm. of the Giants and how good she was she just led by example in every facet of the game and and then you get Helen Housby well you know she knows how to win a gold medal Commonwealth Games winning moment on the dying seconds she loves the camera she loves the big moments <laughs> so you got two players that that, that just thrive on yeah. on the thrill of the moment and I, I just reckon that's exciting when you've got a, I love a team that has that sort of player in them and, and both these sides on the weekend have that and ironically as you say both English internationals so it's a healthy future for the England team but uh, for the Swiss and the Giants on Saturday uh, if those two fire gee what a battle we're going to have you're right opposite ends of the court but I don't think that matters no I agree totally uh, thanks for your time uh, really appreciate it you've been an absolute star for us always uh, kind enough to come to the phone good battle and different, breaking news, not breaking news, whatever it may be. Enjoy your week over in the Sunshine Coast. It's going to be 25 here Wednesday. Beautiful. I might go for a walk, walk the dog, mow the lawn, get out and about, do my thing. Just, uh, right. just Goodbye. Right. See, See ya. Bye. So good. Enjoy your things. Netball here on Sporting Goss. Welcome back. 16 degrees in Perth City. Heading for a top of 19. It'll warm up Wednesday up to 25 degrees, 0487 736 736 if you're listening to the show. If you're an Eagle supporter, we're going to ask Dockers after 11.30, what do you need? What players do you need? What positions do you need covered off? Let us know, 0487 736 736. Who you are, where you're listening and if you're an Eagles fan, what is missing? What was missing this year and what needs to be implemented at the football club to bounce back after finishing ninth in the home and away season? 0487 736 736. Adam Simpson did his presser after their gallant, but eventually six-goal loss to Brisbane Lions after the game. And this is what Simo had to say. Yeah, I thought our boys were pretty brave. Um, obviously not at <clears throat> Brisbane standard, but we were a little bit undermanned. Um, and um, obviously both teams had a lot to play for, but yeah, I thought we we played with spirit. We just weren't good enough in the end. We didn't handle their pressure. Um, in the last half, having said that, it was you know it was game on at three-quarter time, and I think a couple of goals late in quarters hurt us. Actually, our forward 50 stoppage goals too two against, you know, with full length of the ground. Gave them that little buffer, but, um, yeah, ran out of steam in the end and, um, yeah, obviously didn't go our way. So, Simo, how did you read what happened in the last, uh, I guess, 25, 30 minutes of the game? It was a very long last quarter, but obviously uh, when Jamie Cripps kicked the first two, you were a red-hot chance. So what happened from there? Yeah, look, um, sorry? Where, oh, just, where was it lost after that? Oh, look, I think they elevated their pressure. We couldn't sustain what we were doing. Um, 
a couple of you know costly undisciplined free kicks you know down the field or a, you know I think um, a free kick after a point you know pushed it out to 17 points obviously Brisbane were playing for a larger margin and they really challenged that and um, we were playing to win as well so we uh, we opened the game up a little bit because we we wanted to win we didn't want to just deny Brisbane an opportunity to play top four so we um, we went a bit harder at that sense, so you've got to take those risks in the last quarter, and it, it blew out in the last 10, 15 minutes. But overall, um, we hung in there and we fought pretty hard, and we just weren't good enough. You must have been um, delighted with your um, your leadership, your midfield, Nick and Luke and Elliot really took it up to the Brisbane midfield and probably had the better of them around stoppages for a lot of it. Oh, absolutely. I think our leader stood up well tonight. Um, you know, Nick's had 23 odd possessions, 10 clearances. Um, you know, Luke's had 13 clearances himself, so effort was there today. Energy and effort was, was there from the start, and unfortunately there's just been too many times this year we haven't brought that same intensity um, when we've needed to, so, um, you know, we'll, we're going to learn and grow from that. But um, there were some positive signs tonight in terms of the, the younger team, the spirit, um, you know, learn a good lesson, uh, probably had our youngest back line for the last eight years really with Tom Brasbane, our oldest player, and they're a very good forward line as well. So um, we'll take some growth out of this game, whereas there's been some games in recent times that um, have just been disappointing. Yeah, that must just leave you wondering what if, does it Adam? Just the, you talked about the spirit there and what you brought tonight when, I guess if you must be one, you know, must be what if, if you did this for the second half of the season, you probably wouldn't have been in this little or die situation. Oh yeah, look, it's not it's not um, not something I'm reflecting on right now. It's it's obvious, you know, the inconsistencies we've had this year with a whole wide range of things that we'll look into. Um, you know, the the injuries, the synergy, the, the the fluctuations in game, those all those things we're going to look at. We'll dig pretty deep on it all, and, and we've got to get better. So we get an opportunity. It's been a, a pretty big campaign over the last several years. Um, and we need to take a breath, work out how we're going to get better. Um, starts with everything in our department, so we'll, we'll get on to that. You think this group's got, I guess the majority of this group's got another push in them, another, another push for a premiership, or how much tinkering and changing do you think's required? Yeah, look, I still think there's, there's lots of talent on our list. Um, there's some good kids coming through. Obviously, we'll look at getting our list better um, straight away as best we can. But yeah, well, I, th I think there's still plenty of growth in some of our younger players, and now some of our senior players. You know, look at tonight. You can't say that they're not holding up their end. So, yeah, got to got to bring it all together. Got to make sure we get some synergy back, and we need a really good. Adam Simpson there at 29 past 11. Synergy. I think that's the word from an outsider looking in, and I think that seems to be a common theme amongst those who are keeping an eye on the West Coast Eagles. The synergy just seemed to be missing. And that doesn't mean that they're an unhappy group or there's anything sinister about it, but they just looked to be, I don't know whether it was the changes, the all constant changes and lack of leadership at times, whatever it may be, they just looked, that's a good word. I think synergy is what the West Coast Eagles will be looking forward to. 0487 736 736. If you have any opinion on the West Coast Eagles, we'll hear from Justin Longyear after the 11.30 news. The Fremantle Dockers coach, after their disappointing performance in the end, uh, they probably were the disappointment of, out of the two WA teams. I thought the Eagles were brave. I thought the Dockers 
didn't really offer much of a yelp, but uh, they obviously had some players out and some key players. But I thought there was so much at stake, but they were never really in the hunt. Let's get some news. It's 15.6 degrees. 28 away from 12 o'clock. We're here till midday. 0487 736 736. The phone lines are always open, 13 12 And I must say, congratulations to the lovely Naomi Pierce, of course, Nay from SEN Spirit Bunbury, who took out the SEN footy tipping competition. Fair to say she knows nothing about football, and that probably was the secret to her success because it was a really, really difficult year. I'd like to thank Lil, who, um, Lily Burke, who, who ran the tipping competition uh, and kept it up to, up to date with the scoreboard up here, which finished in week 10. I thought the competition had folded, but uh, not according to the email. We just got to say, nay, had won it. And, you know, you'd think you'd get the hard copy up. I'm a hard copy type of guy. You know me? Paper. Paper. I like things to be on paper, not everything online. Think of the environment. Hey, don't you yell at me. We're on air, you know. Don't swear. There's an online platform. Use it. Tire power. <laughs> I'll give you the Tom Cole in a minute. It's 20. What are we? 27 away from 12. Let's hear from Justin Longmuir after yesterday's loss to the Saints. Yeah, disappointing. Uh, I mean, it was there for everyone to see. We didn't have the same intensity as St Kilda. Um, we left too much to too few. And, um, you know, it's been a bit of our issue um, this year. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think, you know, everyone would know that we've had our fair share of injuries and, yeah, we've, we, were, we were probably hardest hit today. And, yeah, we didn't have enough players, you know, take up the slack and, and stand up. Um, yeah, so a very disappointing way to finish the season. Did the occasion and, and what you were playing for, do you think, play any role in the performance? <clears throat> uh, well, it's hard, that's hard to quantify. Um, you know, history would say that when we've been in these um, positions, uh, you know, with finals on the line or in the eight, we, we haven't handled them. Um, we haven't handled coming off the back of good wins. Uh, yeah, so we haven't handled playing at new grounds. We haven't. Yeah, there's a lot of things we haven't handled this year, and a lot of a lot of situations that we need to dig a bit deeper into. Um, yeah, so it's hard. For, it's, it's a really hard thing to put a finger on, um, Smokey. Like, um, yeah, the things you can't see. It's yeah, it's hard to judge. So um, what I what I do know is we need to learn from the experience that we've been through this year um, with you know borderline eight. We need to learn from it. Um, we need to become more consistent as a footy club um, on and off the field. Um, yeah, so we've got a lot of work to do. But we, we knew that before today. Is maturity an issue then, Justin? Like the, the maturity to be able to handle the occasion, handle the moving around, all, all those sorts of things. Is that the problem within the group? Yep. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, maturity as a football club to be able to be really consistent week in, week out. Um, and I've got no issues with being, well, I do have issues with being beaten, but it's more the way we were beaten today. Um, you know, the intensity around the ball just wasn't the same as what it was last week, wasn't the same as what it was against Richmond. So that that's on us. Um, you know, I, I thought they played a good brand of footy and, and took the game on and, and got through us, but they got through us way too easy. And, um, 
Yeah, well, just when it comes to our contest and our pressure, we're, we're leaving too much to too few and we're, we're so inconsistent, not only week to week, but contest to contest at times. Um, so we, we, need to, we need to be better. So it's now six years out of the finals for the club. Obviously, it's only two under your coaching, but it's six years from a club perspective. There's a lot of talk about where it's going and rebuilding in the future and stuff. Does it need to speed up from your perspective and need to be next year to make sure that your fans have got something to look forward to rather than potentially in the future a lot of the time away, a lot of people talk? We, just, we need to be really consistent as a footy club. We need to keep building um, for sustained success. I mean, in the last four weeks, we've been the youngest team in the comp, um, and our performance has um, uh, yeah, shown that, I reckon, up and down, um, quarter to quarter, not only game to game. So we need to, we need to keep building um, you know, for sustained success. I mean, our, our members want us to see, want to see us in the finals, but um, we need to just make sure we um, you know, have the longer term um, in view, and um, individuals need to know where they're at and, and have really strong pre-seasons. Um, then we need to continue to build you know, a, a real deep list that'll take us to sustained success, not just you know, one year of final. So um, you know, we've invested in, I reckon, our, our younger, younger group. And you know, I think a lot of people would say that they've improved over the last um, 12 months. Um, so we just need to continue to, to grow and, and be really process orientated. You talk us through those injuries today, Justin. Um, <coughs> both uh, Switka- uh, yeah, Switkowski, Darcy, um, was Pierce off late as well? Yep. Um, yeah, so Switter, yeah, we, we'll have to get it scanned. He's done something to his hip. Uh, we're a little bit unsure on what it is, but yeah, it looked pretty painful. And yeah, once he stood up from that um, tackle, yeah, he couldn't go again. So we'll just need to get, get him home, get it scanned. Um, it, yeah, it could be a range of different injuries. We, we, we think he's escaped bone, a bone injury in his hip, um, which is good news, but it could be a number of different things. Um, Sean uh, had a hip flexor strain, so yeah, he, he would miss the next couple of weeks if, he, if we were still playing. Um, and Alex Pierce, he's just got a sore heel, which has um, come up during the week, and he was sore leading into the game, and it just got to a point in the last quarter where uh, we weren't, yeah, we didn't need to risk him anymore, so that's why he was taken off. And how were the emotions in changes after the game? <clears throat> Our players are really disappointed. Uh, you know, they all wanted to finish the, the year on a high. Uh, they wanted to you know, execute our brand to the best of their ability, and we didn't do that, so they were really disappointed. Um, yeah, and this you know, should burn. It should burn for a while. And um, I know it's tough uh, to go this way. What was the, what was the message to them? Uh, too many inconsistencies. Too, um, too, too uh, much left to too few um, today. I mean, last week we had a and the good win against Richmond. We had you know, 22 contributors, and today we were left to you know just a handful. And um, you know, St Kilda had a much more even um, contribution. And um, yeah, we need to have a look at why um, each individual needs to have a look at their preparation and um, you know have a look at the, their week and make sure we become more consistent. All those things going well, Justin, and, and being able to address that, do you think you've got the, the pieces in place on your list to be able to take the next step or are there holes that you need to fill? Oh, we'll, we'll do a deep dive into, our, into all things. You know, our our list, list is constantly changing. Our list will change again. Um, 
you know, I think have been well documented to it, the fact that we need some um, outside run. Um, you know, our wings since Hill and um, Langdon left the club have, has been an issue. Um, and we'll continue to add, add depth in, in certain areas. When do you need to hear from Adam Chera about his future, Justin? Uh, before the trade period. Thanks, guys. Will you be having a conversation with him at the end of season sort of um, review and, and uh, well, we have a, those sorts of things? Or, or we have a conversation with every player at the end of the year. Somebody else will have the conversation. No, we'll have a conversation at the end of the year. I'll, I'll sit down with every player, um, talk through their season, and I'm sure I'm sure it'll come up. How confident are you today? As confident as I have been for the last month or the year, last year, to be honest. Yep. So nothing's changed. Thanks, guys. That'll do. And what happened to him today? Uh, he um, he had a corky out of the derby, uh, which he's been sore with all week. Um, yeah, we thought he was 50-50, so we brought him over here and he didn't manage to get up. So there's nothing sinister in it. Uh, yeah, he's, he legitimately had an injury that he couldn't play with. It's going long. It's another title for Ash Party. Unbeatable, unbelievable form. And she sweeps aside the challenge of the wild card. A memorable week for Jill Teichman. But one step too far. Ash Barty in supreme form again. Takes the title. The Westman Southern Open. 6-3, 6-1. It was a dominant display by the Aussie. Her fifth title for the year. And Brett Phillips joins us. He is our man when it comes to... Tennis thanks to B Solar, where you will never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. We'll learn more about better solar energy by visiting B.Solar. That was conclusive to say the least, BP. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Goss. Always nice to chat, particularly after uh, an Ash Barty victory, which is becoming uh, a very common occurrence, uh, as we know. I mean, her, her year this year, just considering also how long she's been on the road for and she's still got a, a bit more time before she comes back to Australia, I think makes it even even, um, even better. Uh, Goss and her tennis in Cincinnati this week was was terrific. The first Australian woman to win, what, in 48 years? And, mm. you know, certainly it's, it's a beautiful foundation now for the US Open. That's the one she hasn't been able to win. It's her, uh, the, the Grand Slam, which she's least performed, made the fourth round a couple of times and, you know, she'll get more opportunities, but right now this is her best chance just with the form that she's in and the way she's playing and just what's happening around her inside that top 10 and beyond. Uh, she certainly will start as the favourite and a huge chance to win the US Open. Yeah, coming into the US Open in absolute rare form, uh, of course. Now, I don't want to take uh, put a downer on it, but she just let us all down at the Olympics. We were all so hopeful and everyone was up and about and she... Oh, I don't know what happened. I'm st- I'm still flabbergasted. Well, she just I think proved that she's human. Gosh, so, you know we could all have a bad day at the office, and yeah, that that was extraordinary that day when she made something like fifty unforced errors, which is very unlike Ash. I mean, she plays uh, a style of tennis where some errors are going to occur, but as long as you've always got that winner's tally. Uh, outdoing the unforced error, unforced error tally because she does go for her shots and she plays with small margins at times, which the good players do, and they have a great ability to uh, to paint the lines and get into corners and make life so difficult to return. Uh, there's going to be days when it just goes a little pear shape, but the good part with Barty 
is that any time she has just an ordinary performance or a bit of an off performance, her ability to reset in the next tournament or in the next phase of tournaments is outstanding. And that's why you have faith in her. And that's why she's the most consistent of all the players right now. I mean, she can just step up and, and sort of put that behind her. Her and Craig Tizer, I mean, she, she'll always describe her game as good as we see it, but she'll always describe it as a work in progress. And she's always trying to fine tune, get better. But her serve right now, tell me someone that's going to get on top of that serve. It is, it's a beautiful thing. And when that serve lands, uh, her percentage of winning points off the back of that first serve is, uh, is astronomical. You throw in the slice, you throw in the variety, um, her forehand. I mean, not many people talk about her forehand, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's magnificent. I mean, it's, it's, it's the inside in, it's the inside out. Uh, she can go cross court down the line and it's not coming back. That's for sure. We're chatting uh, to Brett Phillips thanks to B Solar. We're talking tennis. As I was preparing for this quick chat with you about uh, Ash Barty, she picked up a, a lazy $357,000. Then I saw the men's equivalent in, in Cincinnati picked up $918,000. Yeah, look, it's interesting. Um, not, not not all the tournaments are totally aligned. I mean, there's certainly, as far as all the Grand Slams, that's the one thing. The Grand Slams have got equal prize money, but the tours uh, certainly do differ in the level of sponsorship that is coming in, the level of partnerships. I mean, there's certainly been the talk goss over the last 12 months of bringing the tours together. I think there's little subtle signs behind the scenes that they're trying to maybe work more cohesively together. Uh, but that could be still some years down the track, how all that works from a governance, uh, you know, shared revenues, uh, how all that sort of works um, is for another conversation. But, yeah, there are certainly two events, even though it was on level pegging in terms of uh, the uh, prestige of the tournament. So ATP Masters 1000 for the men, WTA 1000 for the women. There is still, yeah, at those levels, because all the, all the tournaments have got contracts uh, that uh, working with the ATP or the WTA, and then they go out and fund basically their own prize money. So it does differ from, yeah, certainly tournament to tournament. Okay, so when does the US Open start? About a week's time, uh, Goss. So Ash can go and settle in in New York. Uh, we'll have qualifying coming up this week, which is you know huge for a number of our Australians. We know that Max Purcell and and Storm Sanders have already got the wild cards in, which is great for them. They can go and prepare. They know they're in the first round. The others have got to go through some tough qualifying and the humidity of uh, New York. So you really earn your place if you can win three matches uh, this week. Uh, we've got a few Aussies sort of sprinkled um, elsewhere who are just fine-tuning uh, this week. Uh, notice Kyrgios uh, pulled out last minute against uh, Andy Murray this morning. He didn't mm. actually take to the court. That'll be interesting. That left knee is a bit of an issue at the moment, and look, we're certainly not going to see, on the basis of evidence of this year, gosh, we're not going to see really the best of Nick Kyrgios, I don't think, in New York the next couple of weeks. Uh, wonderful call of the Max Gorn mark and goal too, BP. Nice to have you back on the radio waves. Oh, it was beautiful. Big Maxwell, he was never going to miss. Uh, and the first serve tonight, uh, Goss, so you can listen on the SEN app yeah. over there in WA, 5 yeah. o'clock uh, your time over yeah. there, and uh, you'll get your fix of tennis uh, every Monday, of course. Looking forward to that. Good on you, BP. Good calling. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Goss. Brett Phillips nice. talking all things tennis. Thanks to B Solar, where you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Learn more about better solar energy by visiting b.solar. Liam Pickering was not happy with Ross Lyon. Have a listen to this. Let's get to the real point. 
And I don't know, does he still manage, manage Alistair Clarkson? Well, that ended. No, that ended. Yeah, I'm not sure why that ended. But Alistair Clarkson, Caroline Wilson hasn't been wrong on that. And I sat there and said, I, don't, I still don't think she's wrong. Clarkson and Carlton. Yeah. You know what? You can, you can say it's on palate. You can say it's grub. You can use all those. But I, I don't want to dignify the response because I love irony. And if you scratch below the surface, there's a fair bit of irony there. That's Ross Lyon talking about Liam Pickering. But this was Liam Pickering that fired up Ross Lyon. With the Ross Lyon, I don't even know what that was. It looked like a job interview to me. Pretty grubby. Didn't want to be disrespectful to David T, but then went on a five-minute rant about why he'd be the great man for the job. If Carlton do tip out David Teague, they'd better go through a process. They should do the right what? thing and go through a proper process. What do you think Collingwood weren't interested in him for? They are going through that process as of today. Still no word on the future of David Teague, but he has been meeting with the club. Still no word on the AFL Grand Final. We've got it all covered here on Sporting Goss on SEN. A break, and we'll come back to wrap things up on this stunning, albeit a little chilly, Monday. It's 15.9 degrees. Thanks for your company. It's almost the end of the show. Don't forget you can get on to sen.com.au and podcast and catch up, listen to any of the shows you hear on SEN. Of course, today's early morning show, Gillian Goss in full and some of our feature interviews and same goes for Sporting Goss as well. Been a very, very busy show. Thanks to Sue Gordian from the West Coast Fever who joined us, Cam Shepherd from, of course, the Peel Thunder Football Club. A couple of games to go. I don't, don't think you'll be lost to the WAFL system, of course. And also thanks to Sammy Edmund who hung up on us uh, when he started to talk about all things David Teague, AFL Grand Final. So no word out of Carlton on David Teague's future. Contrary to a lot of journos who are trying to beat everyone to the punch and say that he's gone and he's gone today and he's out the door. So far, nothing from the Carlton Football Club. They're just digesting Matthew Pavlich's uh, part of the review, of course. And also... No official word on the AFL Grand Final, but the speculation is it will definitely, definitely be at Optus Stadium. It'll be a 10 past five game, so 10 past seven into the east and a chance for this wonderful stadium that is Optus to display its wares at night. Enjoy the rest of the day. It's just starting to warm up now, 16.5 degrees, heading for a top of 19, but there is a chilly wind as I watch people walk past the studio here at SEN at Optus Enjoy the sunshine. It's going to warm up to 25 degrees on Wednesday. Stay with SEN. We provide you 24 hours of sport and enjoy the rest of your Monday. I'll be back on your radio tomorrow from 10 o'clock. And boy, we always have a big Tuesday. It's going to be our biggest Tuesday this week. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Chris. Catch you tomorrow. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.